a false situation, something abominable. We get freed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We recognize He's the way. He's the only way. The only way. Today we'll look briefly at the access into that highway of holiness. And then the maintenance of that walk with God. These are two important aspects. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. We thank you, Lord, for your people. You're stirring up the passion in people like Becky, Lord, our brothers and sisters here, Lord. And thank you, Jesus. We want to see God's glory continue in this church and all over the world. People coming to the knowledge of the truth. People coming to get set free. Lord, people in our families coming to that security that's in Jesus alone. And pray, Lord, that the words and the understanding would line up perfectly with your word. Because, Lord, we need to be clear on what we believe in. I know Beck is clear on that, as all of us are, I'm sure, that Jesus is the way. We long for Catholics, we long for Hindus, we long for Muslims, we long for atheists, we long for Buddhists, we long for all kinds of people, agnostics, people who don't know if there's a God or not. We long for everyone to know the love that you demonstrated on the cross when you gave your son to die for the sins of all of humanity, regardless of their background. But we know, Lord, to profit from that, to make a net gain of what you did, we need to come to you only, because only you can give us salvation, Jesus. We can never bring our works, we can never bring anything, Lord, especially any other substitutes or helpers to you because nobody paid the price. Not Mary. None of your disciples. You paid the price because only you can give your sinless blood, perfect blood, as a perfect sacrifice to wash us clean. So we pray, Lord, as I didn't hear all the prayer that Becky prayed, but I believe Prashana Archana, I'm not sure, one Someone is going to speak to someone in the school. I'm assuming it's them. Lord, you are the only way. There are no nuns, no fathers, no Mary, no Joseph, no angels, no Jude, no saint, anyone that can ever come to the picture if we're going to make it to heaven. And thank you, Lord, for giving us the truth. I pray that as we continue to read your holy word in Leviticus, that you would help us to examine ourselves as we will read today about leprosy, this contagious, dreaded sin. People feared it. That needed careful inspection and careful quarantine before people can be admitted back to the camp of God's people. And you're showing us very graphically the absolute contamination that comes from sin and sinful tendencies. The wasting away, wasted years, wasted time, wasted everything. The corruption, the loathsomeness, the 
separation that it causes. And all of us have this spiritual leprosy before we came to you. Your blood, no animal, no bird, but your blood cleanses of our spiritual leprosy. Help us, Lord, to understand clearly what you are saying to us and to go forward in your strength and win souls for your kingdom, even our families. We thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Leviticus is a book that shows us how to get on that pathway to life with a capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E, meaning everlasting life. That which people seek for. Why do people go after so many means to prolong their lives? And why do people throughout history, various cultures, seek to discover a secret to a fountain of youth? a secret to perpetuating one's existence. It's built into a human being. The Bible says God has put eternity in the hearts of men, of the human race. The human race has the concept, although fragmented because of sin, that there's something eternal. There's something that I'm missing. And then they come to the cross and they see, this is what I was missing. I was missing God sitting on the throne of my heart and leading me into the green pastures beside the still waters. This way to God, this highway of holiness, comes through sacrifices, shedding of blood. Because the Lord said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, no remission of sins. Because sin causes death, and instead of us dying and going to hell forever, the Lord allowed the animal sacrifices, as we know, to temporarily substitute, temporarily transfer the sin, so that whoever keeps making the sacrifices will keep getting pardoned, provided they come sincerely and want to obey God in their lives. The way to God is through sacrifice. And along with the sacrifice, we see in the book of Leviticus that God made an institution called the priesthood to help people atone for their sins. In other words, they would come to that tabernacle courtyard and bring their animals, whatever sacrifices, family by family, and say, please, priest, take this bull, take this lamb, take this goat, take these birds, and we want to put our hands on the head of this animal symbolizing a transfer of the sin and then the priest would take that animal as we've been reading slaughter it and spread the blood all over splattered on the sides of the altar and offer that sacrifice and for that moment for that period before the next sacrifice would come that family would be or the people would bring it and their families they would be released from that penalty and guilt of sin. They had to come back and do it again and again and again for a whole lifetime. Meaning, as we read in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it could never take it away permanently. But it was all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So the way to God is through sacrifice, shedding of blood, and then through the priesthood, there had to be a, there had to be an intermediary, intermediary or mediator, somebody to take us to God, to take the animals and do it the God way or the way God wants to present it to God, just as God said, in order to take the sin away temporarily. And they also had on top of that purification laws, how to keep oneself ceremonially clean. They had to also have the observance of the what the Jews call Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, one day out of the whole year, where the high priest would go in, especially on behalf of the nation, into the Holy of Holies, offer the blood. They had all these regulations. For what? To get into the way. To get on the highway of holiness. But then, the second part of Leviticus or the second aspect, teaches how to walk in that holiness and maintain the purity, and therefore those laws, again, would keep them apprised of how to keep themselves acceptable to God. They've been freely pardoned with the shedding of blood, but now they have to walk in a way of holiness. These two concepts carry on very beautifully, very powerfully in the New Testament because Jesus is not only the one who sacrificed himself as a sweet aroma to God gave himself as an offering but he's also the high priest he is the only high priest and priest for that matter who could take not the blood of animals but his own blood and present it to the Father how does that happen? How could a sacrifice bring its own blood or his own blood? Because he rose from the dead. He had flesh and bone, but his blood was shed. In his resurrected body, he rose from the dead. But the blood was poured out for us. And because he was alive again, rose from the grave on the third day, in the resurrection after he gave his life on the cross, he presented his blood as the final, ultimate atonement for our sins. The high priest presented his own blood on our behalf. And then what about the purification laws to enter into the path through the sacrifice, through the high priest offering the blood and then how to please God and then maintain it. We have all of the commandments in the New Testament. All of the moral law carried over from the Old Testament but then many, many laws given by the Spirit of God for believers, amplified, taking us to the very heart of God's original law. In other words, what real holiness means. How to be above the corruption that is in the world through, as the Apostle Peter puts it, by the Holy Spirit, through lust. Desires. Isn't that the problem? In the book of James, it talks about that. Where does the fighting come from? How come people are at odds with each other? Whether it is between two individuals or two families, neighborhoods, nations. What is the spark that causes the problem? Some kind of selfishness. Some kind of insistence that I'm right 
or I need what you have. The sinful tendencies. These are the things that cause separation from God. Dealing with these things, there are laws and commandments where the Lord says, for example, regarding the ancient law given to the Israelites about committing adultery. The Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 explained the very heart of it. Because what people ended up doing was, including the religious leaders, they said, well, we didn't touch any other woman other than our wives. And we're not with anyone physically. But the Lord said, that's not enough. You can abstain from external acts, which is good. But that's not the end of the matter. The heart has to be abstaining from those thoughts. So the Lord said, you heard that it was said by them of old, you shall not commit adultery. The Lord said, but I say unto you, that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her, or desire her, has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So our energies, our thoughts, our emotions, we can actually let them slip and go to wrong people in wrong areas. And the Lord says, you're supposed to focus on the one you're married to. And he got right to the nerve center, which the Pharisee didn't like, as we heard yesterday as Daniel was expounding on the Sabbath. These people wanted to kill the Lord Jesus. And they're worried about him breaking the law according to their interpretation, which was false. When his whole objective was to give life through the law, if people would come to him through faith and not dead works. In other words, just trying to go through the rituals. These people wanted to kill Jesus because he wanted to heal and recover life. These were the same people that we're feeling that we're not committing adultery. We're still married to the same person. Nobody's seen us in public with somebody new. But he said, but I'm telling you, if you have desire for anyone else, you've committed adultery. Therefore, if your right eye offends you, this is Matthew chapter 5, let that eye be discarded. Pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, if that's what causes you to stumble, if television causes you to stumble, God says get rid of it. Because it's better to go into heaven without TV than to have TV and go to hell. Some people say, well, I need to be informed. With the information comes a lot of bad stuff that would mess with the mind and defile a person. But I know people who are not well informed at all by today's standards in this information age, technology, technological age. But they're getting along fine because God is protecting them. God is showing them things. doesn't mean we can't hear any news at all, but it means that anything that defiles us, and we'll see that as we look at leprosy, the contamination was not only to people, but to objects. God was showing very clearly this thing called leprosy is so contaminating that you had to be pronounced clean before you could have re-entry into the camp. 
In other words, to God's presence. That ritual or ceremonial uncleanness doesn't mean the person had sinned, but God was showing us from something that happens naturally, disease. How infectious sinful tendencies are to the human heart and to the entire life. The entire life, including the body, was removed from the camp in God's presence. God is showing us if there's one thing you're supposed to do in your life is make sure you don't contaminate yourself with the sins of this world, of this life, of your old life. And that's why we have the sacrifice of Jesus' blood, the high priestly ministry of Jesus where he intercedes for us before the Father. And we have the laws that God has given and he paid the price so we don't have a day of atonement anymore. He paid it on the cross. On that one fateful day, Good Friday, the first one, where his blood was shed as the Passover lamb for all of our sins. And he gives us the word which we need to read in order to keep clean. Maintain the holiness. So two aspects of salvation are gaining it and then keeping it. Because people can gain salvation just like a fireman can rescue somebody from a burning building. They've been saved because they're outside of that burning building. But if they choose to run back into the burning building, they're putting themselves at risk of losing that salvation that just came through the fireman. They can lose it. Similarly, the Bible teaches very clearly that salvation is conditional. It's conditional upon our obedience. Without obedience, a person who's been rescued from going to hell by the grace of God can go back and do the same things and end up dead in their sin. According to the epistle of Peter, it'd be like a dog returning to the vomit. It's better for them, the Bible says, to never have known salvation or the way of righteousness then having gained it, known it, go back to the wallowing in the mire like the pig. God is concerned about his people Israel. And about a year after they came out from Egypt, after they saw the great miracles, and they camped at Mount Sinai, after receiving the law that we read about in Exodus, God adds more things to show them how to present the sacrifices, how to worship Him, how to live with Him with great joy and advancement, one level of glory to another, one level of faith to another, one level of strength to another. And He tells them how to do it exactly so they don't miss it. He's concerned about their holiness because He's holy. And over and over and over again, you hear the word Kodesh or Kadosh, which means holy, Scores of times in the book of Leviticus. God keeps saying, be holy because I'm holy. Leprosy discussed in Leviticus 13 and 14 is not merely a discussion of hygiene 
or social protective laws. It's a discussion of the damaging effects of sinfulness, the contaminating effect of sin. And God says, you see how this leprosy is? You see how they had to really, really inspect it. The priests had to inspect it. They had to declare a person clean or unclean. Depending upon that, they would be either quarantined for some more time or never come back to the camp, permanently quarantined. Or they could be pronounced clean and then they could come back in fellowship. We're shown that we need to keep a pure heart, a clean heart. Exodus chapter 13. We will see the laws concerning the disease and then the ritual cleansing in the following chapter. Someone please read these two chapters which have the same topic. Therefore, we'll go through both of them. And then what we'll do is the following chapter after 14, we'll read 13 and 14 today. 15 has to do with bodily discharges and these things can be read on your own. We will not read them together. They're very straightforward about men and women, their impurity. So you can read chapter 15 on your own. We'll read 13 and 14 today and then we'll go to 16, the Day of Atonement, God willing, next time. Today, chapters 13 and 14 of Leviticus with the background provided Someone please read from verse 1. It's a long chapter. All the way down to verse 30. And then someone else from 31 to 59. Let's listen carefully because God has put it down very precisely. How many kinds of things the priest had to look for on the skin of the person? Which body part? To the head. And what color that scab and that hair would be. And see how detailed it is. How utterly important it is to pay close attention and inspect the sin that may be still with us. So that we can have a thorough removal of it. Hallelujah. Someone please read. And then someone else follow up from 31 to 59. Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 through 30, NLT version. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, If anyone has a swelling or a rash or discolored skin that might develop into a serious skin disease, that person must be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons. The priest will examine the affected area of the skin. If the hair in the affected area has turned white and the problem appears to be more than skin deep, it is a serious skin disease and the priest who examines it must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. But if the affected area of the skin is only a white discoloration and does not appear to be more than skin deep and if the hair on the spot has not turned white, the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest will make another examination. 
if he finds the affected area has not changed and the problem has not spread on the skin, the priest will quarantine the person for seven more days. On the seventh day, the priest will make another examination. If he finds the affected area has faded and has not spread, the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. It was only a rash. The person's clothing must be washed and the person will be ceremonially clean. But if the rash continues to spread after the person has been examined by the priest and has been pronounced clean, the infected person must return to be examined again. If the priest finds that the rash has spread, he must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean for it is indeed a skin disease. Anyone who develops a serious skin disease must go to the priest for an examination. If the priest finds a white swelling on the skin and some hair on the spot has turned white and there is an open sore in the affected area, it is a chronic skin disease and the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. In such cases, the person need not be quarantined, for it is obvious that the skin is defiled by the disease. Now suppose the skin has spread all over the person's skin. Sorry. Now suppose the disease has spread all over the person's skin, covering the body from head to foot. When the priest examines the infected person and finds that the disease covers the entire body, he will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. Since the skin has turned completely white, the person is clean. But if any open source appear, the infected person will be pronounced ceremonially unclean. The priest must make this pronouncement as soon as he sees an open sore, since open sores indicate the presence of a skin disease. However, if the open sores heal and turn white like the rest of the skin, the person must return to the priest for another examination. If the affected areas have indeed turned white, the priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean by declaring, you are clean. If anyone has a boil on the skin that has started to heal, but a white swelling or a reddish white spot develops in its place, that person must go to the priest to be examined. If the priest examines it and finds it to be more than skin deep, and if the hair in the affected area has turned white, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. The boil has become a serious skin disease. But if the priest finds no white hair on the affected area and the problem appears to be no more than skin deep and has faded, 
the priest must quarantine the person for seven days. If during that time, the affected area spreads on the skin, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean because it is a serious disease. But if the area grows no larger and does not spread, it is merely a scar from the boil and the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. If anyone has suffered a burn on the skin and the burned area changes color, becoming either reddish white or shiny white, the priest must examine it. If he finds that the hair in the affected area has turned white and the problem appears to be more than a skin deep, a skin disease has broken out in the burn. The priest must then pronounce the person ceremonially unclean for it is clearly a serious skin disease. But if the priest finds no white hair on the affected area and the problem appears to be no more than skin deep and has faded, the priest must quarantine the infected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must examine the person again. If the affected area has spread on the skin, the priest must pronounce that the person ceremonially unclean. For it is clearly a serious skin disease. But if the affected area has not changed or spread on the skin and has faded, it is simply a swelling from the burn. The priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean, for it is only the scar from the burn. If anyone, either a man or a woman, has a sore on the head or chin, the priest must examine it. If he finds it is more than skin deep and has fine yellow hair on it, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. It is a scabby sore of the head or chin. Praise God. Praise God. Before the next person reads, as we mentioned the dietary laws, that people have said that it was probably hygienic. Certain of those creatures were more prone to these uh, disease-causing pathogens. They would be transferred to the person who would eat them. But we explained that if that were the only case, then we'd be warned of that today too. But the Lord says that what he's pronounced clean, we should not call unclean, as he told Peter by revelation when he saw the great sheet let down from heaven with all kinds of creatures. Peter being a Jew, observing this Levitical commandment, he said, I've never eaten anything unclean. I don't touch that. God said, eat it. And we underscored how the word and prayer will sanctify the food. It also mentioned how even with the technology we have today, not everybody has access to that. And that's not the reason why God gave those dietary laws primarily. We can look at many theories regarding that. But the main reason is God knows everything is perfect. And so with this leprosy issue, 
although quarantine was unknown to these people. They didn't know why it should be done. They didn't know about microbes and all these harmful pathogens and disease uh, spreading through these means and at what point to quarantine. God gave the quarantine unlike any haphazard laws that we may have witnessed in the recent global pandemic. There are times to quarantine, obviously. But then man has limited knowledge, and so they will try to do the best they can, hopefully, with the information they have and the experience. But we can't say that every quarantine law and every quarantine effort is perfect. But God, when he commands, as you see in the book of Leviticus, many, many times, in excess of 30 times, it's written that God spoke directly to Moses regarding these things. Moses was not a physician. And the best physicians of that day, they didn't know about these things. So God simply commanded, but the primary application was to show us, as it says in Hebrews, that these are a shadow of things to come. What things? That we should be, as believers, as Christians, morally and spiritually pure and be a light to the world of how to keep clean. That we don't give our eyes to see things that are immoral. We don't give our ears to hear gossip about things concerning infidelity and things that are not good for our souls. We don't just randomly turn to different channels because we're bored. We're judicious. We are given wisdom from God in that desire from the Spirit of God into the new creature that He made us in Christ through His blood to be holy. That is the main thrust of all that God gave them. Now, for them as a people, God also gave this as the identifying mark, just like circumcision, so the dietary laws, the moral law, everything that He gave, the ritual cleanliness, we talked about the childbirth, how the women had to go through certain uh, procedures to be declared clean, not that she sinned, but just a matter of daily occurrences and activities that would bring about emissions from the body that would contaminate. And although hygienic um, benefits can be inferred from certain practices God said to do. It was also showing a picture of the human being is just not perfect, can never be perfect. There's always something. But the blood can take away the sins. Jesus' blood, that is. So any imperfection we feel, any kind of disease this really symbolizes and shows the totality of man's shortcoming. Before we go on, I want to underscore this, emphasize this, that all of this is relevant to us who have advanced medical technology today, since that time. The application, although we can appreciate the quarantine that God commanded for their own good. The deeper underlying 
theme is that we need our spirits to be leprosy free. We should not be contaminated with the moral filth, the spiritual idolatry of the day and age in which we live, the society. There has to be a clear separation. Only then can we function as God meant Israel to function, so we as a church, to show the light how a man and woman should be faithful to each other if they're married. They should invest everything they have into that individual that is due to that individual. And they should not only not engage in adulterous activities physically, but they should not engage in adulterous activities conversationally, emotionally. They should not give their ears to gossip about such things. They all contaminate. But a person to be a city, like a city on a hill, and a light on a lampstand, needs to make sure they're not going under in the swamp of the quicksand of the filth that's around them. They need to be on a hill above that stuff. In order to be a light, we can't have darkness mixed in with it. And so in our lives, we want to be pronounced clean. When God looks at us, He should be able to say, you're clean. There's always two aspects to that. As we mentioned, the way into that cleanliness or that holiness, purely by the blood of Christ. No one, even the best character on earth, can ever come to God and say, I'm clean. Perfectly clean. I'm entitled to come into heaven because I'm clean all by myself. It's impossible. Through the blood of the Lamb of God. Same time, there's a way to maintain that cleanliness, holiness. We have responsibility. When God says to us, be holy, He's not saying, I'll be holy for you. In fact, He says, you be holy because I am holy. Because I'm holy, I expect you to be holy because you belong to me now. I have cleansed you with my blood. And that's why we have an obligation today, a responsibility to make sure we're not contaminated with sin. It's the duty of every believer, something that's been lost in our generation as we are in the last days, to make sure we walk uprightly. We walk in holiness. Holiness is a concept in Leviticus, emphasized perhaps more than any other book. Before we continue in this chapter, let me say that the definition of the nature and consequently the practice of holiness has become malleable, changeable, flexible, adjustable in the imagination and understanding of many people today in the church. And so the contemporary perception of holiness is actually at such a low ebb, very low point. And many in the church are caught in that web of self-deception, thinking they're holy when they're really not. Imagine that. A person who is leprous. Everybody can see it except themselves. They're in delusion. And they may say something like, well, 
I did examine myself, and I don't see any recessed uh, bump on me. I don't see any hair turning a certain color. As far as I can see, I'm fine. But the priest, who is an ad hoc doctor of sorts at that time, is needed. He functioned as a physician under God's direction. Because see, clearly, you're not clean. You need to be quarantined. We need to check you again after seven days. It's like a patient today going to the doctor and telling the doctor about the medical practice of diagnosing and treating. But many people are self-made physicians today when it comes to their moral and spiritual fitness and health. It's a, it's a trend of our adulthood generation. Don't judge me. I don't judge you. I don't see what you're doing wrong. and You don't see what I'm doing wrong. We're all happy together. We can see it doesn't make any sense because people can be doing all kinds of things and killing themselves. That's how society goes down. But God has come and shown us that he can inspect us and he knows all, all things. When he says that we're clean, it's actually so. How do you get that? Through his blood and obedience. There's no other way. Trust in what he did and obey. Let's continue to read. Someone please pick up with verse 31 of Leviticus 13 to the end of the chapter. Verse 31. If the priest examines the scabby sore and finds that it is only skin deep, but there is no black hair on it, he must quarantine the person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must examine the sore again. If he finds that the scabby sore has not spread and there is no yellow hair on it and it appears, it appears to be only skin deep, the person must shave off all hair except the hair on the affected area. Then the priest must quarantine the person for another seven days. On the seventh day, he will examine the sore again. If it has not spread and appears to be no more than skin deep, the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. The person clothing must be washed and the person will be ceremonially clean. But if the scabby sore begins to spread after the person is pronounced clean, the priest must do another examination. If he finds that the sore has spread, the priest does not need to look for yellow hair. The infected person is ceremonially unclean. But if the color of the scabby sore does not change and black hair has grown on it, it has healed. The priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean. If anyone, either a man or woman, has shiny white patches on the skin, the priest must examine the affected area. If he finds that the shiny patches air, the 
the shiny patches are only pale white. This is a harmless skin rash, and the person is ceremonially clean. If a man loses his hair and his head becomes bald, he is still ceremonially clean. And if he loses hair on his forehead, he simply has a bald forehead. He is still clean. However, if a reddish-white sore appears on the bald area on top of his head or on his forehead, this is a skin disease. The priest must examine him, and if he finds swelling around the reddish-white sore anywhere on the man's head, and it looks like a skin disease, the man is indeed infected with a skin disease and is unclean. The priest must pronounce him ceremonially unclean because of the sore on his head. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. Now, suppose mildew contaminates some woolen or linen clothing, woolen or linen fabric, the hide of an animal or anything made of leather. If the contaminated area in the clothing, the animal hide, the fabric, or the leather article has turned greenish or reddish, it is contaminated with mildew and must be shown to the priest. After examining the affected spot, the priest will put the article in quarantine for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must inspect it again. If the contaminated area has spread, the clothing or fabric or leather is clearly contaminated by a serious mildew and he is ceremonially unclean. The priest must burn the item, the clothing, the woolen or linen fabric or piece of leather. For it has been contaminated by a serious mildew, it must be completely destroyed by fire. But if the priest examines it and finds that the contaminated area has not spread in the clothing, the fabric or the leather, the priest will order the object to be washed and then quarantined for seven more days. Then the priest must examine the object again. If he finds that the contaminated area has not changed color after being washed, even if it did not spread, the object is defiled. It must be completely burned up. Whether the contaminated spot is on the inside or outside, but if the priest examines it and finds that the contaminated area has faded after being washed, he must cut the spot from the clothing, the fabric, or the leather. If the spot later reappears on the clothing, the fabric, or the leather article, the mildew is clearly spreading, and the contaminated object must be burned up. But 
If this part disappears from the clothing, the fabric or the leather article after it has been washed, it must be washed again. Then it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with mildew that contaminates woolen or linen clothing or fabric or anything made of leather. This is how the priest will determine whether these items are ceremonially clean or unclean. Amen. Amen. That word for mildew that they would like to say something that carries the contamination, the disease, some kind of fungus. The actual word is the same as leprosy. So certain translations will translate it if the leprous plague is on the object, the clothing or whatever article. It's really the same word, sara'at, is the word for leprosy and it's exactly the same word in the Hebrew. The translators have rendered it different to show that it's some kind of um, contaminating agent. And so they say mildew or they may say fungus. In other words, the leprosy of the person has gotten onto the object. Very detailed instructions about the various scabs, sores, the various parts of the body that may be affected. And not only person to person, protection, warranting, quarantine, but also the objects or articles contaminated. As uh, it was being read, immediately the Lord showed me this is a picture of two things. It's a picture of an individual. It is also a picture of the church. It's a picture of something that appears hopeless because it's a plague. But it's a picture also of God's provision to be restored. A person can have sin in their lives and be painted with sin as it were. Totally. Very blatant sin. and yet be totally cleansed if they follow the way of the Lord. As we mentioned with the leprosy, who would know at that time? Who would know? Not even Moses. Why would God say, if it appeared this way, do this. If it appears this way, do this. I mean, they know that it's because God is perfect and he'd only tell us good things, things that are good for us to do. But the actual reasons for how to understand the differences of the protocol based upon how it appears on the skin, this leprosy. They didn't know. They had to follow it. All of this regulation about the garments also, the articles contaminated with it. They simply followed it. And that's why I was emphasizing when we went over the clean and unclean animals 
and the fish. But not everything carries through as merely hygienic reasons for why they were told to do it. Because even the clean animals, under certain conditions, if it's not sanitary, they can cause disease. And furthermore, ceremonial uncleanness, such as the food being eaten that is declared unclean, causing the person who ingests it or eats it becoming unclean, doesn't merely have to do with hygiene because we see ritual impurity in the natural processes or processes of life, such as after childbirth. And certain things that may have a hygienic ring to it as far as the reason, but we see that not everything is clearly categorizable as merely because of hygiene. God said certain things. He's perfect. He was establishing something. He was showing them. This is how you stay clean. And it was a picture, a foreshadow, something even deeper later on. But with these laws, these various laws, they were simply given it by revelation. They did it. And as long as they followed it, they were fine. And these were for a season. But the church, as we look at this chapter with the spiritual understanding for us as New Testament believers, Christians, born-again people. When sin comes into a person's life, an individual, it begins to spread, to take over the entire life. There's no way a sin of an individual will ever be isolated to one part of that individual. Never. Sin is contagious. First of all, to the individual, by the individual. If it starts in one part, it's bound to spread. That's the law of sin. Until it's stopped. At that point, there needs to be an inspection with the help of God's Spirit to see whether that part of the life needs to be discarded altogether. Hence the use of Matthew chapter 5, as we alluded to, alluded to earlier. If the right eye offends you, pluck it out and throw it out away. In other words, whatever it is that caused sin and was carrying sin in our lives, in certain instances, that whole thing must be disposed of. And God will lead people differently in this also individually. For example, for one person, they may have a television in their house, such as we do. And perhaps for the last two decades, more than two decades, never had reception, never attached the antenna or whatever it was to get the incoming signal. And of course, we have our phones, we can look at anything on our phones these days, but we choose not to. We don't want things coming in that can carry toxic things to our 
spiritual standing with God. You don't want to be contaminated. Right? They contaminate the children. Where there's a will, there's always a way. If we want to be informed, we want to be safe, God will make a way where we don't get contaminated. There's a way to listen to the news if need be with great discretion and caution so that we don't get contaminated. The moment we know something's coming that may not be good, we turn it off. But as far as the television is an example, we didn't get rid of that medium altogether, but we have it as a monitor. And we play what we want, spiritual things and things good for the family. But we don't allow a signal to come in with all kinds of offerings that are not healthy and have to look through those things visually to make a decision. That's foolishness. Because you get contaminated in the process. Similar to a person who says, I'll just watch the news. I need to watch the news. And in the process, they hear all kinds of stories about Hollywood and this and that. Get contaminated with that. That's not anything pertaining to the kingdom of God. It always has evil with it. One person may say, well, God spoke to me and I don't even want the monitor in my house. It's possible. For them, it, it could be correct. For another, like in our case, we keep it as a monitor. We play what we want. We don't have the TV reception whatsoever. But that's getting to the individual ways that God leads people. But the general principle is you protect yourself from being contaminated and if something should cause you to be contaminated, for example, a person has a television set and they really want to follow God, but they keep getting tempted, they can't help it. On one day they watch something they know they really shouldn't watch and they feel so guilty about it. And they want to destroy the TV, but then they think, well, I should be able to handle this. And the next day they say, I'll only watch sports. And while they're watching sports in the commercial, they get defiled with something. Next day they say, no sports, no movies, no nothing, just the news. They get defiled with the news. They really can't control themselves and they have to get rid of it. That loss will be a tremendous gain for that individual because spiritually now they're going to be minus one huge temptation in their lives, avenue of temptation. They plucked out that right eye. That which they thought they couldn't live without. They find true freedom now. In some cases the polluted part must be gotten rid of. God will lead the individual, but God is showing us clearly that we need to know by the examination of the great physician, not by our own self-diagnosis, because as the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, every man is right in his own eyes. Isn't that right? Who would ever say, I'm wrong, I'm no good, I made a foolish decision? Most people would not at least not readily. That's human nature, pride. I want to think good about myself, but I want to catch somebody else. I want to disregard the log that's in my eye, huge log, and go pick on the speck on somebody in somebody else's eye. I like to tell people they're wrong, but I don't want anybody to tell me I'm wrong. That's human nature. Fallen human nature. Not the way God created us. But when we let God examine us, He'll tell us exactly how we are. That'll cause us to break down and say, Lord, please help me. It's humility. 
And then God will show us exactly how to get cleaned. First of all, by receiving the blood of Jesus as the only antidote for our disease, leprous disease called sin, to wash our hearts, give us a new heart, brand new heart. And then as we walk with the Lord, He will show us how to keep clean, not just ceremonially, but actually clean in our hearts and our minds. God will help us to know how to be clean. God will help us to observe His commandments. He will help us to know why certain things are not right. He will give us the discernment. He will show us. He will help us to know as we walk with Him closer and closer exactly how we did not even know many things. And it shows that this has to go because it is a carrier of the leprosy in your home. This particular thing may seem right for other people, but for you, it's a cause of leprosy. It's contaminating you. Similar to the church, God will show when the purging happens, who can be reformed and who cannot. Who can be brought to genuine sorrow, godly sorrow? Genuine humility and brokenness where they say, I'm wrong, I've been used by the devil to bring problems to myself and to the body of Christ. Because I brought sin with me to the church and I didn't feel anything about it. But now I see. I've been isolated and I understand that I'm unclean. I need to come back. I need the great physician to pronounce me clean. That only happens when we repent. But on other occasions, God will say, this part is hopeless. It has decided to retain the leprosy. When it comes to a human being, a person can choose. They have the power of will, volition. No matter how much they hear about God and the scriptures, I still want to watch these filthy things. I don't care what, who says what. I think I'm a good person. Have you ever heard people like that? Perhaps we said that ourselves. I'm a good person. Who are you talking about? A sinner. I'm a wonderful housewife, a wonderful mother, and I make sure I save my money, collect all the coupons, and I clean my house, and... I watch the soap operas or I watch this or that or this or that song. I'm a faithful person, but they're contaminated. They're engaging in things that are opposed to a holy God because they're damaging to the person. And so there's an inward deterioration that a person can't even perceive because their eyes haven't been opened. But the physician comes and says, you've got a scab, you thought, but it's actually a leprous plague. Before long, it'll kill you and everything you thought you could maintain. God comes and diagnoses us accurately. With that awareness, we say, Lord, I understand now certain things that I thought were okay because you're holy and you've shown me they're not for me. We begin to do what? Part with that. Whether the individual or the church, we need to have 
the accurate definition and concept of the nature of true holiness. Only then can we ever determine whether we're holy or not, walking right or not. Many people today would just run far away from this kind of preaching. But they love to hear about prophecy and miracles and unity and fellowship and doing great things out there in society and helping the community. But as far as personal holiness before God, it's either not in the picture at all or they have a skewed picture. Now this is a very real danger for us. It's not simply a commentary on the status quo of the church. I have to look at myself and you have to look at yourself and say, am I walking in holiness before God? Would I stand up to his inspection? What I thought was a mere scab, could it really be a plague that's broken out because I was watching? Because according to me, I'm fine regardless of what I'm involved in. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us to take this to heart that we need God to show us and inspect us whether we're following His commandments from the heart or whether we are two-timing Him, trying to anyway. One foot with God, why not? Everybody wants salvation. If God could give me a free ride to heaven, if I can escape the burning hell, I'm all for it. Take me, Lord, now. But I also want to take Egypt and the world with me. I do love my soap operas, and I do love my rock and roll, and I do love my vulgar talk shows. and I do love the lewd fashion of the day, and I do love to look at the stars in this movie and that movie. That's the plague. God will show us whether we can be quarantined to allow for repentance to come back or whether we've decided I really don't want the way of holiness. I like to stick with this. Everything that makes me feel good, even though it's poison. And uh, tomorrow's another day. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. What's that bridge? Death. And I'll say my prayers and I get my rituals done by my priest. I think I can make it. That's the horrible deception from our enemy, the devil. We need to make sure we're clean today because we don't know whether we'll be called to face God today. But far from being just restrictive or joy-killing laws, God gives us the greatest liberty, the freedom, the joy of knowing I'm standing with God in a right relationship. My heart is clean. Who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who can do that? Who can stand in this holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. I need to have my heart, the state of being, that I'm on the path of holiness and clean hands, the state of doing or maintaining the walk then I can have beautiful fellowship with God. And God will show me things I never knew and take me along with my family to paradise. Hallelujah. That's what God has for us. 
I'd hope to go to Exodus, uh, Leviticus 14, but we'll stop here for today and pray. Father of mercies, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the application of your word to our lives. Lord, I pray that we encourage each other to be holy because you commanded us to be holy. Lord, we would not introduce anything contaminating to ourselves or to anybody else. We would know the difference as you've given the laws clearly to the Israelites. So you give us the laws clearly, discerning between the flesh and the spirit, holiness and uncleanness in this world. Lord, the heart motives and so many things that we can have true purity of our conscience. Lord, even if we've been quarantined for a while from you because of sin, we can fall down at your feet crying for mercy and you will draw us back, wash us clean when we turn our back on that which defiled us in the first place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you bless this day for every brother, every sister. May your healing come to the souls and minds. Lord, may we be taken closer to you to understand your definition of the true nature of holiness from your word, which cannot lie. It will be clean in your sight. And we'll be ready to do the good works you created us to do in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Bless your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.